Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. This is going to be one of my weekly episodes where I take a closer look at four stocks that I'm thinking of buying right now. Uh, these are usually companies in my portfolio already, but ones that I believe maybe I should do a small dollar cost average. Maybe their valuations are looking a little bit more attractive today, or maybe I just want to increase my overall exposure into the overall market. Uh, so we're going to take a closer look at four companies, four stocks. Three of them are individual companies and one ETF. Like always, if this is your first time here make sure to hit the thumbs up make sure to hit the subscribe button and let's get started all right so as we can see the first company we're going to take a closer look at is crowdstrike and crowdstrike i do believe is probably going to be one of my favorite growth stocks for the year um, maybe even for next year uh, so right now crowdstrike is sitting at a market cap of roughly 44.8 billion for me crowdstrike is one of those that's going to be more of a very small dollar cost average and let me kind of just explain some of the things i see with this company all right so let's start off with CrowdStrike, I do believe first is just a huge market opportunity. This company mentions by 2028, uh, they believe their total addressable market to be roughly 225 billion, where right now is sitting at roughly a hundred billion dollars, right? And obviously they're not going to take this whole market share to them, uh, but we can just see the expansion of their market opportunities. Uh, the company does mention that their next chapter within the next five to seven years, they can more than 3x their annual reoccurring revenue. Uh, they Right now, in the second quarter of 2024, which is what they're reporting, um, was roughly $2.9 billion in annual reoccurring revenue. Uh, they do believe within the next five to seven years, this can jump to roughly $10 billion. Uh, so to me, that's very, very um, bullish, especially since this company operates on very high margin products. So the more they can upsell to their customers and the more modules they sell to their customers, the better we can see kind of margin improve. Finally, I want to thank The Motley Fool for sponsoring this video and check out fool.com slash jose for the 10 best stocks to buy now with that link you get a promotional offer for the subscription service now let's continue with today's episode uh, right now market opportunity is big like we saw and one of the biggest things is companies still use legacy legacy antivirus systems uh, in things like modern endpoint so there's still huge market market opportunities the other thing is this company still has yet to kind of really expand um, into big players uh, they do mention that right now they are less than 30 percent in the global 2000 companies so there's a lot of local penetration this company can see from large to small size business. Uh, here we can see they're still in early innings, right? CrowdStrike, they do mention they have less than 23,000 logos when maybe some of the legacy products and some of the other players have hundreds and thousands of logos under their belt. So this is a huge market opportunity for me and one of the main reasons I really do like CrowdStrike. Uh, some other things that are also improving in CrowdStrike is the amount of modules this company offers. Uh, they recently did an event where they showcase a lot and a lot of new modules modules and right here prior to the um prior to all the announcements the company like i mentioned had roughly two point something billion dollars in ending re uh, ending reoccurring revenue um here in this image we see what's called white space white space is in theory if their customers are able to take all the modules so there's a huge huge market opportunity on just the amount of customers that they have right now and they can continue to upsell to their customers uh so roughly 9.6 billion dollars in white space they do mention that now pushing a little bit forward after they announced numerous kind of solutions in the past few quarters that 9.6 billion dollars of white space has turned to 6.7 billion dollars uh, so overall there's a lot and a lot of growth opportunity 
for CrowdStrike and just their existing customers. And I do believe that's a huge, huge bullish case for this company. Uh, so that's going to be the first one. I'm going to take a closer look at CrowdStrike. Let me know what are your thoughts. Like I mentioned, this is definitely a stock that has run up a nice amount, um, but it's one that I don't mind doing small dollar cost average into. Now, before we take a closer look at stock number two, I do want to say thank you guys for the support. Um, if you haven't, make sure to hit the thumbs up. Make sure to hit the subscribe button. If you want exclusive semiconductor videos, check out my membership, special offer at fool.com slash Jose free newsletter at josenaharo.substack.com and free semiconductor news at semiconductorwatch.com. All right, so now the second company we're going to take a closer look at is one that I believe is going to get a lot of hate. Um, this is definitely one that is torn in the investment community, especially in the growth investment community. In one end, is completely hated and another is completely loved. Um, it's going to be Unity Software, ticker U. We can see market cap of roughly $10.8 billion right now. I, when I mentioned this, when this company gets into these valuations, I can just say, hey, I can easily, not guaranteed, but I can easily say that if it was possible, a big tech company would scoop this up no problem. The reason I say if it's possible is because I do believe if a big tech player tries to acquire Unity, it would be a huge kind of... Um, regulations and kind of anti-approval due to like a monopoly and stuff like that so i don't think it would ever happen uh so unity this is a company that's pretty much a game engine um it's what's mainly known for but this company also does other solutions outside of just game engine they do a lot of pre and post um game game solutions uh there are, if we take a closer look at their website they do mention that 88 percent of the top 1000 games are using unity to grow uh so unity again we have their game engine but their money maker at the moment is their advertisement business their growth solution and i think it's pretty insane that 88 percent of the top 1000 games are using unity to grow i do believe those statistics were based on early 2023 um unity like we saw it's great for the gaming unit uh, gaming department but it's also great for the film department there the recent acquisition of weta uh is used in numerous numerous cinematic films um if we take a closer look we can also see that unity is used uh in things outside of gaming mixed, mixed reality can be used for things like selling automobiles um we can see kind of metaverse can be used to kind of train and create digital twins uh they mentioned that hey look various industries from architecture engineering construction and operations, automotive and transportation, manufacturing, energy, government, aerospace, retail, and, and commerce, right? So huge market opportunities if we start to kind of really enter into this digital twin market, into this metaverse market, and even into the gaming market. Uh, so Unity is definitely a one-stop shop for creating a game. And I do believe this is the stickiness of Unity. There's been so many talks of maybe game developers leaving the platform for one reason or another, but I don't want to, I want to say there's not many there's not much competition that has the full toolbox kit like unity and i do believe that makes them a little bit more sticky than some of the other players now the third company i want to take a closer look at is this can't be an episode without a semiconductor company this is going to be qualcomm ticker qcom Qualcomm years to date has been pretty much flat. It's only up 3%. This is an embarrassment to the semiconductor market one way or another. Sitting at a market cap of $123 billion, dividend yield of 2.9%. 
So let's start off with some of the things that I'm excited about Qualcomm. First is just the overall growth opportunities. I do believe there's numerous growth opportunities in the handsets, in the automobile, automotive, and in the internet of things. Let's start right now with handsets. So first there is uh, typically a phone recycle that normally happens every three to five years. The last one would, was in 2021. We are starting to, uh, we're starting to enter in 2024. So we are right on time for that phone recycle. Um, there, another thing that could be driving these phone recycles are technological shift. We are seeing this AI movement and that can definitely push uh, kind of a new, a new kind of tailwind for Qualcomm in their mobile department as Qualcomm has chips to bring AI to local devices. Uh, we continue to see kind of new products and new uh, top tier phones using Snapdragon, which is great news. Uh, and we're also seeing kind of other players kind of bring um, AI solutions to uh, other products outside of the mobile markets like laptop. Here we can see a Windows PC on device, uh, on device AI thanks to Qualcomm solutions. So AI, um, the phone recycle is also going to be another, uh, it's another growth opportunity for Qualcomm. And the PC market is also going to be another uh, growth opportunity for Qualcomm as this company is also entering more into the PC space. Uh, the company is a full stop semiconductor shop. We can see they make everything from ISPs to GPUs to CPUs to processor security uh, chips uh, to their Tensor chip, or which is what they, I believe they call it the, um, I, I remember, uh, I got to look for the name here. They call it their uh, Hexagon DXP, I believe. Uh, and this is the one that's used for a lot of AI solutions. This is their AI engine. Uh, so the reason um, Qualcomm is bringing AI to the local devices is there's numerous opportunities there. Cost reductions, reliability and performance, privacy and security, and personalization. Something that you normally don't get if you're using a lot of this AI workloads over the cloud. Um, outside of just AI. AI is not just for phones, it's also for PCs, for the automotive market, and for the Internet of Things market. Qualcomm recently purchased a company called Nuvea, um, which is going to, they're going to start to start to send out their PC chips uh, later this year in devices mid next year. And I do believe we're going to see that kind of PC refresh cycle. Um, we're also kind of seeing numerous growth opportunities in the Internet of Things. Um, one of those big opportunities, in my opinion, is like augmented reality and mixed reality. We did see Meta just announce their new headset and smart glasses and all that is powered using Snapdragon's um, solution, um, Qualcomm solutions like the Snapdragon XR2 and the Snapdragon AR1, cross real mixed reality or cross reality, and augmented reality. So overall, I do believe Internet of Things is a great opportunity for Qualcomm. Also with generative AI and just AI solutions, we're getting smarter homes, smarter cities, smarter in industries as well. So that's another growth opportunity for Qualcomm. The final is the automotive opportunity, and they are seeing kind of uh, a growth in digital cockpit, cockpit and the uh, advancement of the infotainment system. Uh, they do believe that cars beginning to launch in 2023 and 2024 are going to be a lot of the products that they're getting designs wins. Uh, so they're going to see a nice step function on their automotive revenue, especially as we continue to grow to things like level two autonomous driving, level three, and other forms of advanced assisting assistant driving systems as well. Uh, in the past few months, the company did announce numerous kind of 
uh, collaborations and wins with big players like BMW um, and with other players like Mercedes-Benz as well. Now, the final company I want to take a closer look at is not really a company. It's more of a semiconductor. It's more of an ETF, and that's going to be ticker SMH, Vanek Semiconductor ETF. I do believe maybe not this one in particular, but just an overall semiconductor ETF is always great for me to have in my overall portfolio. Year to date, the semiconductor market has dominated at roughly 49%. Um, and if we take a closer look with Vanek, right, this one reason that I do enjoy Vanek is this is a company... Um, this is a position or an ETF that only has 25 holdings. I like ETFs that don't have a crazy, crazy amount of holdings. I like to kind of be a little bit, um, not diversified, um, concentrated in certain in companies. And I do believe SMH does that really, really well. Uh, total expense ratio of 0.35. Not the worst, but definitely there might be other semiconductor ETFs that might be a little bit cheaper if you want to check those out instead. Um, but overall, I do believe a semiconductor ETF is one that I want to start adding on to uh, because recently I haven't really added much to my semiconductor companies uh, because they've run up. So instead, I want to do just an overall semiconductor ETF instead. So I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. Take care. Have a good day and see you next time.